Welcome to the In The Zone podcast with Mike Ryder and Josh Hughes. This podcast may contain swearing, plus it will be filled with lots of interesting chat. All the views are expressed are our own and are not those of our institutions or employers. You're welcome to share your own views in the comment box on the website. And if you like what you hear, please like, share and subscribe. And you can find out more on our website, innerzonepodcast.com. Or on Spotify, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also like us on Facebook. So, without further ado, here's this week's episode. So, hello and welcome to the In The Zone podcast with me, Mike Ryder. And me, Josh Hughes. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the metaverse. This amorphous changing concept that hasn't quite become a reality as yet, but in which all the big tech companies seem to be increasingly vying to stake their claim upon. Um, this is quite interesting, actually, because it, it links very very much with a podcast we've done previously, Josh, um, about Snow Crash, um, yeah. which I you mean, shared with us. Yeah, I mean, Snow, Snow Crash is a really interesting um, sci-fi book by uh, Neil Stevenson. I think it came out in the early 90s, I think, wasn't it? 92, maybe? Um, yeah. And we've both read it and discussed it and you know, really like it. Um, yeah, in that book, they do have the concept of the metaverse as a virtual reality for avatars um so it's interesting that not only is facebook or or meta as it now wants to be known because it wants to be a metaverse company um you know it's not just taking kind of the idea although it's it's a much wider idea but specifically taking the name from snow crash is really interesting i think mm. yeah and it's well, it's, it's the meta part of metaverse isn't it that, that i find so fascinating as in it's bigger than everything else like it's yeah. a sort of an, an umbrella as it were in which everything else will operate and for me as someone who has increasingly a business marketing mindset these days i find it fascinating how the companies are essentially vying for because they know that basically being the kings and queens of the, 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 the whatever the future holds the metaverse future it's essentially it's it's a it's a gold mine isn't it because if you if you rule the metaverse universe you essentially can set the terms of the universe and you're going to make an awful lot of money. So obviously Facebook has really set out its stall with its whole rebranding as Meta. But we've got all these other companies at the same time trying to get involved with Metaverse in whatever sh- way, shape or form that may take. Um, yeah. yeah, it's probably worth mentioning that like, um, you know, this idea of virtual reality worlds that people are able to enter and uh, you know move around and live in, um, to some degree, they already exist in a much smaller scale. Like there are things like VR chat, um, and similar companies that where you can be an avatar in a virtual reality world. So, you know, in order to use it, you have to have the virtual reality glasses and uh, or headset and the you know, controllers and that type of thing. Uh, you can have your own avatar, but it's quite limited in terms of its um, extent. You know, so it's almost the same as having a chat room or like you can go into a virtual reality bar or pub or um, party and you can interact with people there. But, you know, the idea of the metaverse in both the, the way it was presented in Snow Crash and also probably, I think, um, you know, what Facebook is, is thinking of uh, is, you know, not just creating, recreating, um, you know, rooms and pubs and venues, um, but actually an entire world or, you know, um, landscape where you would be able to just virtually walk from, you know, one venue to another and there would be more things happening 
between those venues. So you're rather than just being able to have a conversation in in a virtual bar, like in a VR chat, you'd be able to you know walk in between. I don't know um, Wembley Stadium, where you just watched a, a VR a sport event and then maybe Wembley Arena down the road uh, and then watch a, a concert in VR for example and and the whole thing would be you know one continuous experience. Mm. I think it's interesting that a lot of the concepts that we associate with metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg has tried to convey are familiar concepts to most of us. I mean anyone who's ever heard of Second Life, anyone who's seen the film exactly, or yeah. read the book um, Ready Player One I mean, as you say, it goes far back beyond Snow Crash. Really. I mean, Snow Crash was the early 90s, but there's a lot of sci-fi from the middle of the 21st century even that talks about virtual worlds people sort of enter into. So in a sense, it's kind of nothing new. But as you say, it's it's trying to bring everything together. And obviously, Facebook wants to be the the overseer of all of this, a little bit like, uh, like, like the bad guys from Ready Player One in a weird sort of way. Uh, so whether that takes off or not, I, I think is 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 another question. I mean, what what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think it's definitely a different. It would definitely be a different experience for people. And uh, you know, I've had um, you know, done some expert had a few goes of trying VR, and it's quite fun. Um, but you know, the extent of the technology at the moment, I think often there's a there's a lack of. Um, realness about it because you know, the, the amount of image rendering that needs to be done for for a virtual reality situation is, is far greater than you know on, a, on a, a a video game for example where it's only on one screen and in one plane um so it's definitely not quite as realistic as um one might hope for you know being it being really immersive but having said that you know you mentioned second life um which is some which was a well, is it, I don't know. Is it a game or is it a? I'm not quite sure how to how to think about it because it's, it's. I think a game is a game is is fair to describe it, but it's a game that blurs the real world with the virtual again because the idea being that you can go in there and make real life money, and basically have a job in a virtual world and like make stuff, be creative, sell stuff. So it is literally, as it says, a second life. Yeah, and you know, there were, I remember what 10, 15 years ago, there were there were a few documentaries about people who had engaged in second life um you know it almost it took over their their real life you know there were people who had um you know emotional affairs with with people on second life there were virtual marriages um people you know developing real and meaningful conversation conversations and relationships with um people they'd met on second life and never met in in real life um you know there's lots of people who having yeah, very intense experiences, and I probably because most of them, if I recall those sort of documentaries correctly, I was people with very um, you know poor connections in real life with other people, um, you know things going on in their lives that meant that they wanted to escape into second life because in second life, um, you know it's not you have to deal with with the real consequences of what you've done or the stresses and strains of real life. Um, so perhaps it might be the same in the metaverse where people will be drawn into engaging in it um, because it's free. Well, I was going to say free and easy, but maybe it won't be free. Um, but, you know, it's not well, you might be able to fly or to have, I don't know, 
experience quite different situations without having to you know prepare for them or deal with you know safety concerns for example you could imagine doing a, a bungee jump for example in the metaverse where because of the virtual reality headset and I don't know, maybe in a few years there'll be haptic feedback so um, physical feedback sensations where you feel like you're in that um, situation that's presented to you in the metaverse and you could do a bungee jump but you know your avatar just gets up on the platform and, and dives straight off you don't have to do any of the safety concerns about that you would in real life um, so it might you know allow people to have much more varied experiences um, than they would you know in real life but um, you know the quality of those experiences is also potentially um, much different as well. Mm. I suppose this is one of the problems isn't it it's the technology does the technology match our expectations because we're being sold a concept that is essentially almost like a, just a digital version of, of real life but in order to achieve that the quality needs to really be there and otherwise you, you run the risk of um, what's the word so the, the words completely escaped me as I, i'm talking about here but you, you know when you enter yes when you enter like the uncanny valley sometimes mm. where it's 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 sort of similar to real but not quite real enough and thus you don't engage with it in in the way that you you might i mean just thinking to the video that mark zuckerberg did announcing horizon as the new platform um for the metaverse that they're building there's something quite odd and a little bit creepy about this sort of avatar that he shows of himself within the metaverse setting and the the way in which they implement that i think will really be whether this takes off or not because ultimately it's got to offer people something something better something different something new that they can't already obtain and i just wonder if this is something people are really asking for yeah i think so i mean i think I suppose in a sense people well I'm thinking because there are lots of people who um you know nowadays and maybe this is a bit of a bit of a, a trope but uh, I think there's some truth to it you know people who are quite happy to um sit in every evening on their phone and flick through Instagram and Twitter and, and go through the same you know three or four five social media apps um you know on a loop because um they enjoy their um virtual kind of life um more than you know their real life and i think as as we know there's um lots of problems with that because people are end up um you know going on the serotonin hunt because for for likes and things like that rather than actually getting out into the real world and doing something that's meaningful and will give them much more um, long-lasting happiness um, so I could I could imagine people getting into the metaverse and then staying there in the same way that people you know go on Instagram and stay there for hours or on Facebook or Twitter or whatever um, so I could definitely imagine people doing it whether they actually want to do it in the first place you know or whether it's something that they try and then get sucked into like with the rest of social media um, I don't know because yeah, I think you're right. I think there's not, no one's, there's no campaign group asking for the metaverse to be created, mm. for example, is there? And there's no, yeah, there's no body really asking for this sort of thing. I mean, I wonder actually if there are particular use cases, like, for example, like we were saying with the bungee jump, 
maybe people who are um, had maybe had always wanted to do a bungee jump or, or that type of thing, um, but then you know uh, accidents or illnesses prevent them from being ever being able to do that for for whatever reason. Um, and such maybe that sort of use case would be something that is desired by people in that situation. But you know, for most people, I don't think that that's it's really the case. I think um, in a, yeah, in the same way that nobody was really clawing out for social media about 15 years ago. Um, but now it's part of everyday life, isn't it? So I suppose probably the, t the big tech companies who are behind this obviously want it. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> cynically, I would say from uh, a power and money perspective. Mm. What, do you th what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, I think we're in a different situation, though, to what we were in, in sort of 2005, six when social media came onto the scene, because there was literally nothing like it at the time. And over, I mean, I was sort of starting at university around that time and Facebook launched for students and it, it had that sort of cool factor back then. It was a bit edgy. It was a bit different. And your parents weren't on it. But obviously, it's since expanded into this global behemoth that we can't escape. But the thing is, with this, in terms of the metaverse, we've all had social media now for the best part of 15 years. And so are, I'm just wondering, is it really offering something new and exciting enough to really tempt people to sort of buy into it? Not least because to really experience it properly, you are, you are actually going to have to buy a headset. One of the successes of, of social media is the fact that it's essentially free. I mean, you can say, well, it's not free because we're giving away all our data, which is certainly true. But at the, at the point of use, it's it's effectively free so that anyone can sign up for a Facebook, Twitter account or whatever and get access to all of this content. Whereas for this, there is a certain amount of buy-in that you need. And so that might prove a hurdle, I think, in, in some cases. But then, as you say, you also need a critical mass of users. Like I could go on and buy my headset or whatever, but it's no good if you're not on there, for example, who am I going to talk to? What, what's, what's the point of me being in there if my friends aren't on there? So they, I think these techno companies have got a lot of work to do to convince people that the metaverse is a good idea, that it offers them something new or better than what they have access to already. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, you know, in terms of the hardware that's needed, I mean, at the moment, it's, it's quite expensive still. So, yeah, it would be difficult to get people to the critical mass, I think, that um, certainly that social media has at the moment um you know if it's if it remains expensive then it's only going to, it's going to be a what, a digital refuge for for the for the rich and things like that rather than um you know this kind of global experience that perhaps um meta kind of wants it to be but i wonder if you know actually the you know maybe some people would think that they're preventing the poor essentially to from accessing the metaverse is something that's perhaps um, maybe not part of the plan, but um, Meta wouldn't be um, averse to. Um, but I think you, you mentioned something there about social media being free, and um, at least in a monetary sense, you know, we it requires the don't the donation of our data to be free. Um, and it reminded me of one of the points of. Um, or main advertising points that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg presented about the metaverse was that there would be a protection for privacy and safety. Mm. Um, but then, you know, reading that before we, we did this podcast reminded me of um, an interview I saw with uh, a meta engineer, somebody who's working on building the metaverse for 
Meta or the Horizon platform, they, they were once calling it, um, who seemed to sort of think that society needs to engage in a, in a in a, another debate about how much privacy we're, uh, we want and how much we want to um, perhaps give up to engage in the metaverse. Um, and what struck me about that interview was that this engineer wasn't really saying we want a debate about this. They were saying um, in order to engage in the metaverse that we build, you're going to have to give up a lot of your privacy because we as uh, meta you know, will know everywhere you've gone in the metaverse, everyone you speak to, all of your interactions, all of your all the things you talk about, even if that's very sensitive and private, um, you know, and listening to it would be seen as intrusive. Meta is still going to do all of that and vacuum up all of that data. Um, and that they want to frame that as a debate because um, you know, they want to give the perception of control to to its users when let's be honest, that's not going to happen. It's never happened at Facebook. Um, Facebook is going to Facebook and uh, all these other tech, tech companies are going to continue to vacuum up huge amounts of personal data. Some of it highly sensitive, um, and you know they're going to use uh, very interesting interpretations of data protection law or data privacy law in uh, beyond Europe, um, basically to to get away with it. So I think it's there's definitely quite significant privacy concerns. I mean. You you could imagine, um, I mean, the, cl the classic example of like privacy harms is somebody who is um, who is uh, gay but not out in the real in real world, um, and you know uses the internet to um, try and understand uh, their sexuality. And you know, in the metaverse, you could imagine um, somebody like that perhaps going to a metaverse gay club or meeting with with other LGBT people. Um, but you know, then Meta knows that um, you're probably gay, even though you don't want them to, or, or maybe you're not gay. Maybe you're um, you're exploring your sexuality. But Metaverse knows, or Meta would know, um, you know, that you've been doing that. Potentially try and work out actually what your sexuality is before you. And you know, we hear about targeted ads coming out for people uh, based off high sensitive information. I mean, the classic case was um, in America, a young girl had been um googling symptoms because uh, she wasn't feeling very well and then an advertising company sent her something about uh something for pregnant women women um to which her father then contacted the advertising company and said well how did you know my daughter was pregnant um and it turned out that actually the advertising company had known this woman was pregnant before she knew herself mm. and so you know you could imagine actually lots of privacy harms in particular arise but also you know, if, if the metaverse does become kind of this social meeting place or um, global village, I suppose, in, in the, maybe what some people want it to be, um, you, know, you could imagine people being well, outed, which would not be uh, very nice for those people uh, in the metaverse. And then, you know, that then has real world implications as well. Um, but also people who may not be you know, just generally don't want to be followed. I mean, why should anybody be followed in their in their normal life? But Meta, Meta seems to want to act, want us to accept being followed and tracked and monitored, um, you know, in our virtual life. And I suppose that's the nature of um, lots of modern tech firms really is to collect data and, and monitor people so that they can, um, you know, under the guise of building better products. Mm.
Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because in a sense, I'm not saying I'm on their side, but I do understand the need for this in a, in a sense that, I mean, running a social media network the size of Facebook is a very, very expensive operation. And the metaverse, in contrast, is going to be another couple of scales bigger still because the, the sheer infrastructure to build a virtual 3D world like this, including all the sort of technology and sort of interoperability and so on and so forth, they've got to pay for it somehow, right? So, I mean, it, it seems seems almost obvious that they're going to have to do more of this stuff in order to sell stuff. I mean, I get a sense that maybe they might do something a little bit like perhaps renting space or internal advertising, perhaps to companies within the metaverse. I mean, that would seem the, the obvious solution in a yeah. sense. I mean, we see lots of adverts across Facebook, don't we? In a, in a way, Facebook and Google, yeah, they're not really tech companies, they're advertising companies. Yeah, they're advertising companies, um, Google especially, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's definitely one way they'll do it. But, you know, obviously that is dependent on us giving up our data so that then the adverts can be more targeted. Mm. Um, and, you know, and you mentioned about, about um, renting space. I think we already see that, don't we, really? And there's lots of um, people who have bought virtual land in metaverse um, areas, but also on metaverse sites, mm. um, metaverse spaces. Um, you know, it's like land speculation, really, assuming that people want to buy that land in uh, in a few years' time to know, put up an advertising board or a metaverse um, know, shop or bar or pub or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in a, in a way, they can kind of recreate all the money-making things that can be done in, in the real world. But, I mean, I think, to me, it would seem, you know, we see... Okay, Netflix has seems to have lost money recently, but there are a lot of subscription services out there um, that are making buckets of money. Um, you know, because they offer a good product that people want to access and they want to use and they want to um, you know use services that are that are offered. So to me, you know, I think I would if I were to engage in the metaverse and I had to pay for something that was protected by privacy more than uh, the Meta's approach. I would, I would probably happily pay for it, I think. Mm. Well, assuming, of course, then that if you are paying for it, then your privacy is protected. I mm. suppose that's the grey area, isn't it? Because there are still elements to which your your privacy isn't protected. And that, that's, yeah, I mean, the subscription model may be the way to go. I mean, I'm just thinking about how to get people into this. And because of the tech hurdle, some sort of thing like with your phone contract, maybe you subscribe and you get your headset free or in order just to get that minimum number of people in the system, they might even invest in just giving out these headsets for free to get people into it because that's the challenge they're going to have to overcome people need this technology to be able to plug into it and without people in it people are the product so you need people in there in order to attract more people absolutely yeah i mean i i, I you know think back to when facebook came out and i remember i think i remember thinking it was really weird um and you know i didn't really want to engage with it i i think i already had a myspace so why would i need another you know social media platform and then here we are. It's uh, everyone's got everyone's signed up to everything. It seems. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe people will once it becomes fashionable to be on there, or you know, people who you identify with as part of your group go on to the metaverse. Maybe lots of people will get on there. I think. I think yeah, maybe you could be right there. Hmm. I mean, interesting. I think that there's some crossover as well with some of the other topics we've covered in this podcast. I'm thinking about NFTs, perhaps, and digital items. 
I mean, looking at Mark Zuckerberg's presentation, he's talking about people having home spaces. And you could very much see this idea of maybe you having items or mementos from your various digital interactions, perhaps in your home space, in order for you to sort of facilitate some sort of online identity of sorts. Um, Absolutely. How, how you transfer games into the metaverse or out of the metaverse. I mean, who knows where it's going to go? It's going to be really fascinating, I think, because one of the other challenges I think they've got to overcome, which maybe Second Life and its ilk suffered from, is you, you can't make it too much like the real world because you want it to be appealing, don't you? I mean, the fact the, the ability to teleport, I think, is, 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 a, is an obvious means of improving things in one sense. But people, people, I suppose the benefit of Facebook as it is currently is that people are working, but they don't feel like they're working for Facebook. People won't want to feel like they're working in the metaverse either in, in a tra traditional sense for the, the majority of users. Yeah, sure, we'll have content creators who are making money out of it and whatnot. But your average everyday Joe, like you and me in there, you don't want to come home from work and then enter this virtual space where you feel like you're having to do more and more work. So that in itself, I think, is going to be interesting how Facebook and its contemporaries overcome these challenges. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point, actually, about coming home and then going into the metaverse, whereas there are some people who think that actually people have jobs in the metaverse. Mm. Um, you know, for example, we've, you know, you and I and, and a lot of other people have spent um, the past few years working from home. You know, I work from home um, all the time at the moment um, in my current job. You know, and actually, rather than just being able to video call somebody or, or voice call somebody, you could actually have your avatar could be present in the metaverse with you know, your colleagues avatar and you could work together or meet as avatars, um, which would certainly be interesting, I think, and, and useful um, because there are so many more, you know, number of non-verbal communication cues and all that kind of thing that are uh, present in, in actual physical meetings um, and, and working together, but you know, I think the, the pandemic and, and everything else has, has shown us that um, it can be really useful to connect with people who you, who where it's not possible to physically meet them. Um, and so actually, I think in that sense, some working in the metaverse where you're, you can have a meeting with other people's avatars, you can actually be really useful. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, we've had video calls have been a standing for physical meetings and not being quite that good I mean they've not been they've been better than nothing and I think avatars would be another step towards physical meetings but probably not you know not as good but you know if, it's, if it makes a slight improvement then that would be quite useful potentially yeah sorry to cut into you there no because this right. just made me think of something I'd read about Microsoft Teams actually because obviously Teams is what we're communicating on now and is something many people listening will be familiar with but there was this concept that Teams may in the future be introducing avatars to represent people in that as well. So if you're not necessarily using a camera as such, you can have this avatar instead, like representing you. The problem is, and, and this is an, an issue I think, is this concept of presence, because anyone who's been in a long, boring business meeting will know, people who have their cameras off often aren't necessarily paying attention to the meeting. You often get this in big conference calls where everyone leaves at the end of the meeting, but some people forget to leave. And you think, oh, are these people who aren't at their desks anymore? I mean. From my own experience doing online teaching at uh, Lancaster University, some of our students, you get the impression they're not actually there, not listening, not watching. And you can't tell because they've just got uh, an icon up representing themselves. So 
Yeah, will this be the same with the avatar thing? Because the avatar sort of sitting there, is that just a representation of you? Will people actually use it in the way it's so intended? I think I think that's that's a fascinating one. But I mean, I think that that risk is, you know, as you say, is present with all kind of telepresence technologies. And I suppose, you know, we've had, you know, we all know people who we've met physically at work who actually are not very engaged in what they're doing, um, you know, and kind of just drift drifting through whether it's a bad day or a bad week or, or longer. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, a lack of engagement is, is, isn't just confined to teleworking, but it certainly um, makes things more a bit more easier to do that if you want to, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, no, no, completely. I think I think it's fascinating to see where where things go in, ter in terms of that. And as you say, it's, I mean, the potential for so much more data collection on the parts of Facebook and the like. If you think that the likes of Google are already getting um, so much behavioral surplus out of us based on the way that we phrase our searches, imagine what they could do when this technology starts to gather our data based on our physical movements, our sort of uh, micro expressions mm. <laughs> when, when we're wearing these goggles. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's scary stuff, really. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I suppose in order to, like you were saying, in order to combat some of that perhaps presenteeism where the person isn't, you know, uses their avatar or their, um, to pretend to be, engaged in a meeting or or other activity that uh, you say you could imagine people wearing these goggles that actually do monitor your attention you know in the sense of you know, workplace surveillance um you know we see the pandemic has definitely increased i think the prevalence of you know employment surveillance technologies whether that's people monitoring your know, mouse clicks or um keyboard taps or uh, what's on your screen and you know remote people remoting in to see their employee screen is um you know really quite intrusive and i suppose you could sense you could expect some um you know let's be honest insecure managers who aren't very good at what they do um who try and use this sort of employee surveillance technology um you know actually trying to exploit you know the, the greater amounts of data that are gathered on on people um on their employees you know to try and gauge their um yeah, attentiveness or engagement or whatever. Um, you know, in, I suppose it's the worst extent you could imagine people being pulled up in a you know, performance review because they're not engaged as much as they should be according to the algorithm. You know, of course, that's all dependent on how the algorithm is judging engagement, whether that's actually a, re a true reflection of, of reality. But you, know, it, you could see, you could expect it more in the metaverse due to the amount of data that could be gathered. Um, on people and I suppose that links back to the privacy point actually as well doesn't it mm. yeah we're you're potentially jumping into this environment where you know we're going to be monitored and tracked and and all the rest of it and actually the, the you know the potential for harms that come with that are really quite significant and you know never actually explained up front because you know it's really difficult to convey actually well I suppose companies don't want to do it because they don't want to risk people saying no you know, we see all those the um, cookie banners on you know lots of websites where it's really hard to, well, you know, it's a bit of work to deny, um, you know, to, to not give your consent. Although that's changing after um, one of the European Data Protection Authorities made a judgment on on one of the big cookie banner companies. Um, but you know, we see 
that actually is quite generally it's quite hard to control our data and um you know that works to the advantage of lots of these big tech companies um you know more so in the metaverse i think mm. yeah completely so as you say, i think it's going to be fascinating where we go with this i mean we're coming to the end of the podcast now and i'm just wondering when we think this is really going to take off i mean in terms of years i mean how many years from now do we think it will be that we might be doing this podcast from a metaverse environment do you think i think i could see at least some you know early adopters within five years mm. what do you think yeah i mean as, as you were talking previously i was thinking how many years from now do i think it will be i mean five years is i mean it's probably a good shout i mean obviously facebook is really pushing all out to get this into people's homes isn't it i mean before that we we did this podcast we had a little chat about the advert at the super bowl that facebook shared the idea that it's really trying to get people to live their best lives in an online space so yeah 2025 maybe something like that yeah i think any any later this is the thing they run the risk of losing 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 out on the hype right so it's been hyped to death really this metaverse thing i mean facebook even changed its name so if they don't do something soon people will lose lose interest in it there'll be other something else that comes along and you've almost got this arms race haven't you as well of technology companies pushing their own versions of the metaverse so facebook wants to come out on, on top so it might be even sooner than that, really, that we start seeing these early adopters. But the technology, as you we say before, the technology's got to be there. There's got to be enough on there to actually attract and keep people in the metaverse, because otherwise it's just going to be a flop, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I think you're right. Actually, hype is something that's, um, you know, very popular in tech circles. You know, you, know, you say something's going to be amazing, and then when people get their hands on it. It's 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 okay. Um, I think that'll probably actually be the first experiences of a lot of people in the metaverse. Actually, it'll just be okay. Mm. Um, it probably a lot. It will probably turn a few people off straight away. Actually, I think um, because, like you were saying, it's um, it's all hype, really, in, in Silicon Valley, and it seems like lots of businesses are built up on hype and uh, rather than substance. Um, you know, and I think as we've seen, kind of the. The renderings of what the metaverse could look like uh like I, like I was saying before the amount of rendering that's needed for a a full 360 um vr experience is far more significant than it is on a on a flat screen on it like in a video game so it's not like there's going to be you know unreal engine 5 is it's you know almost lifelike in in some situations in video games and it's, it's not going to be that quality in the metaverse no, um, not yet, at least. No, definitely not, not yet, at least. Definitely. So, you know, I think the the renderings and the what the metaverse could look like images are actually, in a, in a sense, um, potentially damaging because it's going to build up people's expectations a lot more than um, you know, can be fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we need a global infrastructure there as well. Don't forget, like uh, the internet quality, internet speeds across the globe need to be able to match the the potential drain of half the world's population using this technology so again that's going to be fascinating to see where we go with that but i guess the um the conclusion for this podcast then is really watch this space yeah and i suppose that's it's quite interesting you mentioned about you know global consumption because at the moment it's primarily focused on on the west and you know the anglosphere and i suppose that's where that's where certainly the the, the, the launch of the metaverse will be when it? it'll be you know americocentric I, I should expect 
yeah well it will be to start with definitely with the nature of how facebook is set up but i mean it's probably no coincidence that facebook and google and other internet companies are so interested in launching satellites and amazon satellites to expand the reach of the web because they know they've got potential more customers to reach in these far off places so that in itself is a part of the the reasoning i suppose in the way that they're, they're going about doing things i mean from my own perspective just to close i i i foresee some sort of transition process put in place by facebook because the thing they've got of course is they've got half the world's population essentially on facebook as it is currently and on its related services its sister services so i foresee there being some sort of transition process in place where maybe they start to introduce metaverse elements into facebook as it is now in a, in a way to sort of drip feed people into actually transferring to the, the metaverse a proper as it were so we shall see yeah i, I could see that yeah anyway well that's, that stuff. brings us to a, yeah that brings us to a close nicely then uh thank you very much josh and uh, we'll see you all again soon thank you thank you for listening to the in the zone podcast with mike Ryder and josh hughes for more podcasts and interesting chat visit in the zone podcast.com